It's the lowdown at one o'clock. Merry ho ho. Best of the season to you. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details, plus get $4,000 in Christmas cash, and we love them. Wish you the best from uh, Wolf GMC Buick, corner 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Now joined by Mr. Steve Lansky. And, of course, being that we're doing our Festivus complaints and problems, we will begin there. Mr. Lansky, how are you? I'm very good. How are you, sir? Good. Are you ready for my chief complaint against you? Would it matter if I was or I wasn't? No. No, and I appreciate okay. you picking up on that. So then, please don't ask rhetorical questions. You could not care less, so fire away. Well, that's what this show does, is ask things that <laughs> are not important. Uh, you live in Calgary now, and you never come and visit me. What the hell? You know what? I don't really have an answer to that. We come through very quickly, and I, I, I don't want to pop in. Nobody likes to pop in. So, like, you're on the air, and then I go up to that window that's beside you there, and I just press myself up against it. Don't think it hasn't <laughs> crossed my mind, because it has. Fortunately, my wife has talked me out of it, I'm going to say, half a dozen times. But we're, we just usually just fly through Edmonton. We're not, we're not there that much. We're just traveling the world, man. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to you. I understand. And here's why I understand. <laughs> Because if you have to drive into the city and where you know I, you're going to Calgary and you're coming from where Vermillion, uh, we're coming from Bonneville. Same thing. So, yeah. like, it's how far is Bonneville from Edmonton? Two hours. Two twenty. Two twenty. Okay. Two hours so, and twenty minutes. So we go, we go like through Mundare and right. Andrew. Okay. Do you get the sausage at Mundare? What, duh. Yeah. I'm dumb, but I'm not that dumb. Man, so Yeah, good. we actually, sometimes we actually plan the trip because it's like, oh, it closes at 5. Okay, well, of we course. have to be there at 3.30. Like yeah. you would, right? Of course. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah. So, like, I, here's, here's what I learned as a child from my dad, Ira. If you're burning daylight and you've got a 2.20 to the town and then you still got a ways to go and you've got to drive probably an hour out of your way to come and see me, I totally get that because then it turns into an exhausting day. And who wants that at our age? Can I be honest with you, though? And this is nothing against my better half. But if I was by myself, I would I would do it. No problem. But I'm all I'm a some would say over. It's OK. Some would say over considerate. But I just think I, I can't do that and then make her sit and unless unless she wants to go to the mall or something like that. So I always just kind of. I've got her in the front of my mind, and that precludes a lot of visits because I just don't want her to have to sit there and wait. You know what that makes you? I don't know. A keeper. You're a keeper. Well, maybe. Maybe. Has she kept you around all these years? She she has. Right. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know how strong the string is. It could be just a little bit of uh, thin wire filament at this point. But how long does she? How long does she keep the carpet? After she says this carpet needs replacing, if you needed to be replaced, you would be. I guess that's possible. I guess I haven't really thought of it that way. It's something to think about, which I knew you were going to give me today. So Incre- I'm appreciative of that. What I'm finding about a women is increasingly uh, men are replaced by not men. They just they just move on with their lives and have fun, and that is the danger that all men should be aware of. 
is that I, you know what? There's so many dangers. I, if I think about them, I just became <laughs> I become tied up in knots. So I just try to forget the dangers and and go from there. I do try to every once in a while when we're going to Bonneville say. Any chance we could, you know, be there on Friday at one o'clock so I could swing in and see Al? The conversation does happen. Yeah. It's just it, it the you know the the tumblers don't fall in that direction very much. That's okay. Don't you worry. I, I was going to go and I should have gone with why can't you give your damn opinion? You're always pulling punches. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I learned one thing when I was producing TV, and that is opinionless TV is horse bleep TV. Yeah. It's just, that's just the way it is. Do you remember, uh, you have to remind me, it came out of Calgary, Billy Powers was on it. Was it Sports Hot Seat? Is that what it yes. was called? Yes, it was. I believe it was, yeah. yeah. Right. So I know Bill Powers was on it, and then I can't remember. I get, it was a bunch of other Calgary media people, and they would put somebody on that hot seat, and I mean, the set was so spartan, it was just a chair, and three guys talking to this, this man or woman. And But it was always, to me, engaging television. Yeah. And I always thought, if you can engage with people just giving opinions back and forth, why in the hell aren't you doing that? I never understood that. I never and, – and it was funny because you'd work with commentators, and they would be so opinionated at dinner. And then the red light would go on, and they just became this – honest to God, Al, this different person. Yeah. And I just – I never understood that. I never, and I, I also never understood how would you expect us to work with you when you do that? You're not being an honest person on the air. Uh, I never understood that. I'll, I'll die before I understand that. Well, I think you made a great point there when you talked about, you know, like, I think that, I think that TV worries too much about the set and not who's on the set. And I'm going to give you an example. Anson Carter would have been available for a long time, decade before he got, you know, where he is today. Uh, and anybody could have picked him up. He's brilliant. How that guy wasn't on television uh, is beyond me because I love him during the intermissions. He's so good. And But the set seems to be the big thing. Well, we've invested a lot in our set. We can move over here. We've got a, a, a net set up. And Don't spend any money on the set. Just have a chair and a light bulb, but get a good guy. And you know what's funny, Al? I think if you got together 100 guys who watch at home, 97 couldn't even tell you what the set looked like. They couldn't care less. But when you're in television, you all of a sudden have that. There's a, I started Hockey Central Saturday. I produced the very first show. I birthed it. I birthed the idea. I went to our set designer, a guy named Dean Bender, who was one of the most creative people I ever met. Terrible producer but really creative person. And he invented this disco floor, which was up off the floor and it was lit. And our guys were standing at podium and we were right in the middle of the newsroom. I bet you, Al, half of what I put into the prep of that show was working with Dean on working on figuring out the best set for that show. And I guarantee you, nobody who ever saw that show could even <laughs> tell you what the set looked like. Nobody. I think but you're right. It, that's right. But if you throw that away as a producer, you know, whatever, just do whatever. You are now not seen as being doing your job. And I think that's BS because I think you're right. It's really all that matters is the nuts and bolts of what's said and what's done on camera. Yeah, I totally I totally buy in on that. Now, let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers. They won a big game in New Jersey uh, yeah. after they, they win a bunch. They lose a bunch. 
But I, I like their defensive game for the most part now. They gave up three five-on-five five goals but scored six last night. As the year comes to an end, Blansky, what do you think about the orders? Like, people are saying, are they going to make the playoffs? And I'm like, hell, if I know, they got to play the games. Isn't that weird, though? Isn't yeah. that weird that we have no – this is – got to help me. I think tonight's game 31, maybe? Y- yes, it is. Um, yeah. Um, we have no clue after 30 games. When, that, when has that ever happened? You have no clue what that team is after 30 games yeah. because they've been, they've been way over here, and then they've been 180 degrees over here. Now, the fact that you say their defense, you're, I, I can't remember exact words, but we're, I'm happy with their defense, I'm happier with it too. And that's never, ever going to be a bad thing because if you can hold the other team to two or less, you're going to win most games. You just are. Yeah. And when you've got really talented players like Dry Settle with that insane backhand goal last night, do you know I was able to yell at McDavid last night three times, <laughs> shoot, shoot, shoot. And then when you see the angle from behind the net, it's clear why he didn't shoot. And I thought, wow, that is some extraordinary skill right there. Yeah. Top end because for sure. It, from, from the side, you can't tell who's in front of him because the perspective's wrong. But from behind the net, I thought, wow. But he waited so long. I could yell it three times, and I thought, wow, that's amazing. So when you've got that offensive skill, if you can hold him to two or less, you are going to win, win way more games than you lose. And in the playoffs, you're going to win more games than you lose. So – People now, it's, um, and I'm not, I am in no way being critical because I understand that fans are fans and I have spent many years yelling at the television, but we go day to day, like the goaltenders aren't under fire today because they won last night and the goaltending was good. Uh, And Ryan McLeod was being traded yesterday for a load of hay. Now he can play left wing on on Dreisaitl's line. So it, it. Like I, th- I know they're not done, and I think we talked yesterday about John Gibson as a as, a, as an option to acquire for goal. But is it still about the goalie? Do you need to go get a John Gibson or similar? Is that the big play here for the Oilers? Bruce Winter texted me the other day, tweeted me the other day, and said, um, what, "What do you think about the goaltending?" And I said, "You know, I really think if you play lockdown defense, I think you can get away with an average goaltender." And then I looked up Vasilevsky, uh, Sorokin and Bobrovsky, and uh, Vasilevsky's low on the save percent this year, but I realize he hasn't played much. The other two guys were right in the middle of the league. I said, you can get away with an average goalie if you just lock it down defensively. And it to me, and I didn't play much, but I played a little. Playing good defense is the easiest thing to do. I played a ton of basketball. Oh, my God. It's so easy to play great defense in basketball. So easy. Offense is trickier because you got to rely on what they give you. But good defense is so easy. So if Paul Coffey and Chris Knobloch are able to keep that mindset, guys, just we're just going to prevent goals and take what we get. They're going to win. If you had one thing that you could wish for Oiler fans after after the end of the year, because you know where the trade deadline is done or the uh, trade freeze is on, it'll be done. Uh, in a few days, what like do you want you you talk a lot about you know energy, effort, heart, and soul? Is that what you think they need? The Oilers, yeah, I think they need to find what works consistently and best 
for them. I, I don't think I could say that again if you gave me a hundred tries. <laughs> they need to find what I don't know why it came up. What works best and consistently for them. And I just I can't believe at this point with the number of coaches that these you know guys have had over the years that they have not been able to figure out that key component. It's it, it's really basic in sports. Find out what works best for you, and then keep doing it until it doesn't work. But they just cannot seem to figure that out. I'll, I'll be honest. In that eight-game win streak, I thought they were. I thought, wow, this is going to be a big swing. And then Skinner lets in those two goofy goals against Tampa, and it's like the whole thing fell apart. And I'm like, come on, like, are we not strong enough to get past that? But I guess maybe we're not yet. So. How long do they have, Steve? <laughs> before, before, before we're sounding the death knell. Well, before we, like I, I still think a pressure point is Leon Drysaddle this summer. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it is because if you find out if he says let's wait and see, then I think the new general manager really has to make a very difficult decision. Do you go one final year with with you know? a real danger of losing a player, an impact player for nothing? Or do you make the call in the summer of 2024? Well, you can't lose an impact player for nothing. You simply can't. And I'm not going to flip-flop in midstream. Although I do, I don't have a problem when people change their opinion. I still don't think this core is championship. I just, I hate saying that because I'd rather be a thousand miles away from that, from from the core being champion, then really close but not good enough. I just don't see it. It's and it's got nothing to do with talent. It's just got to do with with heart and the way they play. And like I said, I, whatever that sentence was that I can't even repeat now because I yes. can't remember. It. Yes, but it was it was exactly what I meant. And they just they haven't figured that out. And I think at some point you got to look and go, okay, guys, this group is never going to figure that out. We have to move some of the deck chairs. Interesting. So now, uh, do you cook the turkey at the house, or how does that work at Christmas? Yeah, so uh, we don't have turkey. We Sometimes we do. Uh, last year we did, but we've had Cornish game hen. We've had a bunch of stuff. So we texted our son, who's flying in tomorrow from Toronto, and said, what do you want for Christmas dinner? And he said, well, there is Alberta beef, right? And I said, my friend, yes, there is. So it has already been purchased from, shameless plug here, Jan's Meats and Deli in Calgary. If you've never been, you are missing the best. I went over to Jan's. They cut the steak an inch and a half thick for me, three ribeyes. Those will be going on the grill on Monday at about probably 5.30. Very nice. Now, an inch and a half, do you cook the medium, uh, rare, medium oh. rare? Goodness, it's a good thing my finger was not on the hang-up button when you said the word medium, or this conversation would be over. No. It, look, you get the charcoal going. I only have a charcoal grill. I was threatened with death if I ever changed to a propane grill. As long as you know it's it, that's the, all you know. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's on the charcoal grill. Two on the one side, the lid's off. Two on the other side, the lid's off. Move them off the heat, flip them. Three with the lid on. 
take the lid off, flip them again, two and a half with the lid on. They're done. They're medium rare. They are the most beautiful steak you've ever had in your life. So sear, sear, cook, cook. Okay. You got it. And at the same time, small uh, sweet peppers and asparagus are moving around the grill to accommodate the steak. It's it's quite a trick. What I should do is a time lapse one time. Oh, yeah. It would be fascinating. Yeah, Yeah, it would be fascinating. So do you put seasoning salt on it or do you put uh, barbecue sauce on it? What do you put on it? Ah, there you go. So we put, uh, there was a seven blend spice that we put on. So you put on olive oil, each side of the steak, so it's covered in olive oil. We now use the keg sprinkle on. I have that. yeah, yeah, it's perfect. But there was one that had that, that we used to mix up by hand, and it had brown sugar, coffee. I'm never going to remember it all. Salt, pepper, garlic powder. Maybe I am going to remember it all. Chili flakes and chili powder. Wow. So that was the seven blend that we used to put on, and it was just as good. But the keg's already done, and it's close enough for me. It's it. I, I've had five people this year say this is the best steak they've ever had in their life, and that's good enough for me. Beautiful. You have a great holiday, sir. Enjoy and uh, love you. You enjoy. Al, thank you. It's always, always a pleasure to talk to you. There you go. Steve Lansky, even though I insult him, even though I went after him about Festivus, kindness at the end. I'm sure I'll get the same from your Chuck next. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. I still think that was the best version of those songs. I really love Tears Are Not Enough which was written by Brian Adams and Jim Valance, the Canadian version. And We Are the World was written by Michael Jackson. Fabulous. But the Bob Geldorf, uh, We Are the World, or I'm sorry, um, Feed the World, Do They Know It's Christmas, was brilliant. Time for In the Community. Final days before Christmas. United Sport and Cycles' last-minute Christmas sale is on right now. Say big for the athlete or sports fan on your list. We are now joined by our dear friend, even though it's Festivus and we're going to rip him a new one. Ladies and gentlemen, Tyler Uramchuk, how are you, sir? I am good, LT. Happy holidays. You too. Now, for those who don't know, because I think we are, you know, we know where you are, but we want to make sure we get all of you. How can people access you daily and weekly? Give us your rainbow of lexicon. Oilers Nation YouTube, Daily Face Off YouTube. I am live every day at 10 o'clock with Frank Cervalli on DFO, and I am live with my good British or English pal, Liam Horbin, at noon every day on Oilers Nation. Now, is Liam actually English, or is that a fake accent? Uh, well, he was born there, so I like to think oh. he's actually English. So he says. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. Do we have, have you seen his birth certificate? We know how that works. Maybe I should ask for documentation. Well, I'm just saying, does he eat really weird food? Because then he's English. No, he eats very bland foods, which would be which would be the answer to that. Yeah, I think he can't hear me talking smack about him at the office. (laughs) Well, that does mean he's English. Um, All right, my grievance for you is uh, because it's Festivus tomorrow, and I'm not on the air tomorrow, so I'm I'm airing all grievances, sir. You're like 25, and you take too many days off. Um. Yeah, but I really make the most of the days I don't take off, so that's got to be worth something. You're framing the issue. You, you <laughs> like, what do you work like when you already take four weeks off? Then how? What are you going to look forward to when you're? Are you going to be retired or own the orders? Then what? Hey, retirement sounds like a decent idea. Actually, I might uh, that might be a resolution for me next year. Wow! Wow! All right, Oilers. Last night, 
uh, th- I thought they were going to lose. Like after the second period, I contemplated turning the TV off, but Ziggy convinced me not to. And then they come out like a house on fire, and everybody's scoring. What did you? What was your takeaway from that game? Oh, wow! I mean, more than one, honestly. Um, first off, that top line they have with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman, and Connor McDavid, you can never split them up. That is your Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak that the Bruins ran for a number of years. Like, you keep that three together, and if the rest of your lineup stinks, oh, well, you do not break up that line. I think they might have the best line in hockey with those three. I don't know if you dug in to the 5v5 numbers last night, but they outshot New Jersey 20-3. to at five-on-five in, like, 15 minutes. They're impossible to stop. So that's one takeaway, that the Oilers might have the best line in hockey on their team. The other takeaway is that this team stinks in the second period. I don't know what it is. They used to be bad in the first period. They're suddenly good in the first period now, but they stink in the second period. They go through these weird lulls almost every game. So those are probably the two big ones. Also, they did get a little bit of depth scoring. It was nice to see Ernie chip in. Good to see Ryan McLeod finally have a night. So... I think those are kind of my three. Yeah, it was uh, it was a fun game, uh, although it could have ended badly. But that third period was absolute fire. Loved watching it. Ryan McLeod looks good on the dry sidle line. I hope they run it tonight. What do you feel about it long term? They'd have to get a third line center. Is it worth it to play McLeod if that dry sidle line looks as good as it did in a short period last night? Yeah, I think so. And listen, I I love that top line. The downside of the top line is, you know, you either need to play Evander Kane with Leon Dreisaitl or play him on the third line, and neither of those look like particularly good options. But I think Leon Dreisaitl plays best when he's got speed on his wings. And if you're going to put Warren Fogle and Ryan McLeod on either side of him, I think it could work. Maybe not long-term as in I'm comfortable going into the playoffs with it, but I think they could have some amount of sustained success. So, I want to see them stick together. I thought the results were good last night. They scored two goals together in the third period. Definitely keep them rolling for now, but it definitely does highlight the need. This team needs a top nine forward and like a darn good one as well. If it's a center and maybe you can run McLeod with Dreisaitl, sure. If it's a winger and you can move McLeod back to the third line, sure. But they need help up front. Did you hear, I did not hear Jack last night reference Jim Brown, did you? Uh, no, I was doing a live watch-along on the Oilers Nation YouTube, so I did not have the sound off. Yeah, okay. I did see someone tweet us, though. Yeah, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't hear it, so I wanted to know if you had heard it. Um, we talked yesterday, uh, Brad Slater was here, I called him Taylor Medic five times, you'll enjoy that. Um, but I, he mentioned the idea of the Oilers trading for John Gibson, uh, who has a long-term contract, but it sort of matches Jack Campbell, and he's played well, nine nineteen save percentage last I looked for Anaheim. Is that a bridge too far? Is that too much to bring on? You know, he's 30, but he has not had a great, you know, last three years or so. Is Gibson a guy on your list? Okay, first off, modified no-trade clause, American-born player. I kind of somewhat assume he wouldn't have interest in waving to come up to Edmonton. Second off, think that's a bad idea okay if you want to look at his career numbers and say look 912 that's good okay uh let's look at jack campbell's career numbers before he got to edmonton low tide like i mean come on let's try to just uh, listen i understand why maybe that idea would pop into your head but let's take a peek at what john gibson's done as of late he's not 
that good of a goalie anymore. He had a prime where he was excellent, but I don't think he's that good of a goalie. I would not be interested in paying him $6.4 million for the next three seasons. I think it's just a flat-out bad idea to swap a bad contract for another bad contract. If you're going to pay what it's going to take to get out of Campbell, get it off the books and use that money elsewhere. Don't just go trade Campbell and assets for another poor contract. I don't think that's a good idea. And that, I think that's absolutely fair. Now, here's my question, though. I, I you know, uh, Two weeks ago, people were saying to me, why won't Holland trade for James Reimer? And I said, well, because Detroit's in the playoff run. They're, they're, they might need him. Now they've got two goalies hurt, and he's the guy. Uh, how hard is it going to be for the Oilers to make a trade for a goaltender? It seems like the market is pretty tight. Yeah, it's very tight. Um, you know, I'm really intrigued by the idea of Carol Vamelka out of Arizona. I think that's a guy who could work here, 27 years old. He's had some good runs with the Coyotes from the goalie people I read. They seem to really, really like his game as well. And listen, if you can't get out of all of Jack Campbell, Frank Saravalli yelled at me yesterday on the show when I brought this up. But if you take Campbell low tide and you keep $2 million of it in a deal with Arizona where you then get Carol Vamelka, you can basically just live your life pretending you gave Carol Vamelka a $4.75 million contract for each of the next two years. And in that third year, when you're going, well, wait, you'd have $2 million of dead money on your book. Well, the buyout for Campbell in that third year is 2.6. So you're out ahead in every scenario. I would be gunning hard after Vamelka. Arizona's one of the few teams that could probably stomach Jack Campbell's contract, especially if it was retained. I would love to explore something. Arizona also needs defensemen. And I don't know if you've been watching Michael Kesselring, but they got a pretty good defenseman from the Oilers last year. Why wouldn't they want to go down that path again? I think something around Campbell, Broberg, the first-round pick to get Vamelka and at least $3 million of Jack Campbell off the books, I think that's the way they got to go. Wow, that's a big trade, sir. Calling out the John Gibson idea and then throwing that one out. I mean, there's risk there. Yeah, I mean, but it's not $6.5 million of a 30-year-old goalie risk. Like, again, I just... John Gibson, and again, talking to goalie people, like he was not good the last couple of years in Anaheim. Part of it was the bad team, but then you watch Lucas Doshto go in there and put together decent results for that same Ducks team. I have zero interest in a six-plus-million-dollar goalie, basically no matter who they are. Man, I, 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 I don't like any of these options. That's the God's honest truth. I, I like If you're trading first in a Bro, and Broberg, uh, and, and like I mean, I know you've got to trade Campbell, then I want... I want uber certain, and I don't think either of those guys qualify. What about your friend Kristen Jari? Do you think he could be moved out? Uh, he's just signed. I mean, granted, the Oilers have a guy on their roster, Matthias Ekholm, who signed an extension then less than a year later with Flip. I like Jari. That price point, I mean, it's 5.3. Like, you could maybe stomach it if you get Campbell off the books, but I just can't see Pittsburgh being interested in dealing him, right? Like, they're trying to keep the window open. Yeah, yeah, I... You know what? I'm unsettled enough that I hope they do nothing, but I I will take your Arizona idea under advisement. How's that? Yeah, I mean, first, Broberg, if you're keeping money on Campbell, probably isn't the best move value-wise, just spitballing off the top of the dome low tide, um, but something along those lines, right? Like, I, I'd love to get out of all of Campbell, and Arizona feels like one of those teams who would be willing to do it if you gave them a young roster player like Broberg, so... 
I don't know. I, I, the Vimelka thing, just because of Arizona's cap space, my dream fit is still Mackenzie Blackwood, though. I think that's the guy they should be gunning for hard on the trade market. Do you sense that Dylan Holloway's back soon, and where would you play him? Because center might be a, a need here pretty soon. Oh, yeah, center is becoming a need. And, I mean, maybe Chris Knobloch's comfortable enough with Matias Yanmark there in spot duty, some sort of split thing between him and Gagne breaking up the face-offs, and then, you know, Yanmark does the actual skating of the center position when the puck's down. I want to see Dylan Holloway with Leon Dreisaitl, though. I think if we want to talk about putting some speed next to big number 29, if Holloway fits next to Dreisaitl and Fogel, then you can move McLeod back to third line, play him with Kane, sure, have Yanmark on the other side, flip one of them to their off wing, and you start to see how your top nine comes together. But I'm very, very intrigued about the idea of Holloway next to Dreisaitl when he's healthy, whenever that is. So I'm assuming you get the uh, rest of December and half of January off with your holiday schedule. What's the plan for Christmas? Uh, the plan for Christmas is honestly, it's pretty low key for me now. Like it's just, you know, small little thing with my family, my two sisters and my parents, small little thing with the girlfriend's family, and then a lot of relaxing. So I'm excited for that. Well, look forward to it. Have a happy, happy Christmas. Enjoy your time off. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Yep, sounds good. Happy holidays, Lothad. All right, there you go. Tyler Yaremchuk, Daily Faceoff, Winners Nation, talks to Frank Saravalli tons. Comes up with, re- he always did come up with really good trade ideas. Tristan Jari was on speed dial back in the day, but he is making more money now. So I get that. I understand. Um, Gary Bettman has affirmed the six game suspension that was assessed to Detroit Red Wings forward David Perron. There's something inherently wrong with this. You know, I, I just have to say, you know, it's like a kangaroo court. So let's say Declan does something really bad and I'm the judge. How does that work? Why would I be the judge? You need to have somebody who is independent making the decision on a six-game suspension. And I'm not talking about somebody who's employed by the NHL. Like, you got to contract this independently. Dig up Kennesaw Mountain Landis for this stuff. Now, it was pretty, you know... Bad, but I like David Perron. Did you think it was six games worth? I would have done four. Okay. Personally. Have you ever been to like a office Christmas party like back in the olden days? Did you ever get to any of those? Uh, yeah. Like one, I think. Really, only. I I didn't really start working until after COVID. Like, I was in school up until then. I did so many stupid things at the first five Christmas parties that I have never had a drink at the last 35. That's quite the ratio. You've learned your lesson. Oh, I did dumb stuff. I am so hopeful that everybody has forgotten what I've done. I'm not kidding you. Refresh our memories. No, I can't. Take us down memory lane. No, I... No. Okay. It's so embarrassing, I could not say it out loud. Sounds like you want to. I don't want to. I Like, it's not something I could recover from. Like, people would go, he's not the person I thought he was. All I'll say is, when you grow up in a house where there's no alcohol, and then you are are, um, overrun by alcohol, it is a bad day 
for you and for everybody around. Larry the Baghead, you only had one grievance with Ty? It's a two-hour show. I couldn't go on and on. Somebody texted me, and I, I'm sorry I didn't get it. Can you ask Tyler how he managed to get half the Oilers roster on his YouTube chat, please? I missed that. I'm sorry. I apologize. That would have been a really interesting conversation. Holloway on the second line, what has he done to earn playing time with Leon? Can we get away from that, the earning thing? They don't have enough players. If the guy can walk, talk, and skate, put him in there. Holloway can't score. You were saying that about Ryan McLeod yesterday. Let's review. Hello? <laughs> Declan, you're my favorite producer of all time. Why? Because you just picked up the phone and said hello. Someone was calling. <laughs> what do you mean? You think I just did it just because for the no, act? Someone but I'm was like, calling. I'm like, I'm like, that's like... What I love about it is you do your work without any any distractions. You know, well, no, without any knowledge or any care for the fact that on the other side we're live radio. <laughs> it's like no, what, my mic is like, off. No, you're like, you're like the Swedish cook over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, come on, someone was calling in. I'm, yes, I always take yes, the call. Yes, what is it? Hello. <laughs> Normally, I walk to the other side of the room, but this, oh. I, you know, legs are. I'm feeling like a sitting mood today, so I Declan, thought I could get away you with kill it. Kill me. It's like sure he's live radio. Sure that microphone live hello <laughs> you know i'll tell you something also when people call in i always i always try and answer but it, sometimes randomly the call will just drop like sometimes i'll pick it up and have a nice convo no. sometimes i'll pick it up and it'll be dead it'll be a deadline immediately and sometimes you pick it up and you drop the phone you've done that too. that was crazy i still i still think about that and laugh when I shoved it, across. Oh it was goodness. it was like that the marx brothers comedy it really was very good yeah. all right we'll take a break 138 <laughs> final segment of the year for moi on the way we're going to talk a little bit about the future. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 with the actual greatest Christmas song ever. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, Porky Pig is great. But that thing is a beautiful, beautiful song. And we've lost both singers now, which is really sad. I think Shane McGowan is still alive. Is he? I thought he was passed I'm away. I'm pretty sure that was a rumor. I think he's very much still alive. Oh, well, that's yeah. good news. Great news. I love wow. the pokes. I love Me the pokes. too, yeah. man. Well, who would do that? Jeez. Oh, I think it was just a rumor that was started because he was such a heavy drinker that people just kind of assumed. But no, I'm, I think he's well, very much still alive. I guess, you know, it was one of those where we wouldn't be surprised, right? But uh, great news because, you know, I had heard, right, I'm going to say right at the end of November that he had passed away. So... You know what? Just fact-checked myself. He died 23 days ago. Okay. Well, then So that, you were correct. Yeah. I apologize. Well, and so now both of the singers have been lost in that beautiful, wonderful song. Sad. Really. I think maybe it was an old standing rumor that he died in like the 90s or early 2000s. It does happen, right? Yeah. There's people who've had to say, look, I'm not, yep. I haven't done this. Happens in a, you know, sometimes. But I apologize. Fact-checked myself no. there. You were correct. No, don't worry about it. You know, we're live radio, so it's all good and we got it right. So we're good. Lowdown is powered by Wolf GMC Buick. I want to wish you the best of the season. Honestly, um, it has been such a... I was thinking about this today, and I've just got some some really sad news. It's been such a tough year. You know, I'm 62, and most of my life has been blessed. And when I say blessed, I mean blessed with health, blessed with, with two beautiful children, a wife who was uh, my partner for 40 years. I have no right to complain. And... 
even with the difficult year, you know, there's a lot of lot of things to be thankful for, and I am. And you know, sometimes in a in a year when things go so poorly for you, and they have for me personally, it would be really easy to go to a dark place. And I did early on, but I had so many people who reached out to me, who cared for me, who genuinely supported me and listened to me ramble, listened to me cry in public, listened to me just be human. And I learned a lot. I learned that people are genuinely good. I know sometimes somebody cuts you off in traffic and you get mad and they come out with a tire iron and you're like, holy crap. I know it can feel like nobody out there is good, but there's so much good, so much support. I couldn't possibly list off everybody um, who supported me. So that support is there for you should you ever need it. You just have to like reach out and people will meet you more than halfway. And so I thank all of them. And if they're listening, they know who they are. But on the on the bigger side of it, the bigger part of life, you know, health is so important. And, you know, you the world goes by in the wink of an eye. And you are 22, and then someday you're 60. And you go to your doctor, and your doctor says, well, you haven't done this very much, have you? And so if you're a guy, and you have been working hard, and I know you have, but maybe you haven't been paying attention to yourself. And I'm not talking about going to the gym. You can walk. You can do other things. But but look after yourself. I mean that. And I'm not talking from the point of view of some, you know, guy who's got YouTube videos of, uh, you know, lifting up a bus. I'm talking as a guy who has two kids and wants to be there for them and wants you to be there for your children. It is tough when you lose, uh, you know, somebody that you love a lot. I know that. So don't be that person this year, okay? We need you here. Somebody texted me a minute ago about Ryan McLeod, and we had been talking about him. McLeod has one good game in 30, and now he's a star in low tides world from Randy. I want to address that because I think it's really important that we put things into context. In the last 17 games, which is basically since the coaching change, well, he's on the ice at 5-on-5, the Oilers have a 54% goal share. I would say that's good. While he's out there at 5-on-5, he's scoring at 1.56 points per 60. 0.94 goals per 60 in those 17 games. That's a good number. I know you're mad about the Oilers. I know you're mad at Stuart Skinner. I know you're mad at Ryan McLeod. But they're young players. And the Oilers badly need these young players to perform. It didn't happen with the last swath who came through. Yamamoto priced himself out of the market, and so did Yesapolya Yarvi. And those, those fellows are gone. But you need young players. It's like lifeblood. And the Oilers are having a hard time. And part of it is, you know, maybe they're, you know, Paul Yarvi turned out, you know, he had some health issues. And Yamamoto, you know, cost too much and was a complimentary player. But you need these guys to perform. You need these guys to come through for you. And the next wave has to come through, too. That's Broberg and Holloway. And maybe they're going to trade everybody, and maybe they don't care. Maybe the rebuild happens in 2028. I don't know. But Ryan McLeod was injured in the offseason. And Connor McDavid and Matthias Ekholm 
they had troubles too at the beginning of the year. Ryan McLeod is another guy who had that difficulty. Don't be so impatient with these guys. And and I read often where, you know, this guy's not even trying. Well, that's not true. You know, I sit in a job where I talk into a can, basically, into a microphone. And when I make a mistake, it's pretty obvious, and I make a ton of them. And if you wanted to, and some people do, you can text me every one that I make. And that's okay. But please remember that Ryan McLeod is a human being. Stuart Skinner is a human being. Dustin Schwartz is a human being. And I think at Christmas time, when many of us are celebrating what is good in life, maybe we can remind ourselves that even though we're sort of anonymous on Twitter, the words that we use and target individuals, they can hurt. They can cut. And when you are ripping somebody on X or Twitter for their opinion that disagrees with you, maybe instead of just hammering them and calling them stupid, maybe find out why they think that way. And if you wanted to move the ball forward, maybe you could do that. And I know I'm sounding really preachy and I know you're like, oh my God, here he goes. But I will tell you, in the last 10 years, I have just noticed that we have gone to hell in a handcart in terms of being courteous and it doesn't cost anything. It just doesn't. And we went from everybody's too PC to I think we need to be a little more politically correct. It's not okay to be racist. It's not okay to call out people because of any reason that involves race, color, creed, sexual orientation, any of those things. It's not. We need to be better. All of us, me included. We all need to be better. And I don't know if we're going to be. And that's the thing that I'm most concerned about. Look, I'm I'm 62. I don't know how much longer I have on the planet. I've lived my life and I've had a wonderful life. But since I'm sitting in front of a microphone and you're listening to me, I'm going to tell you that I really hope we can be better at trying to understand others and to be have empathy for what other people are going through because you never really know what they're going through. And when you lash out at them, maybe you're maybe you're pushing them over an edge that they never should have been in the first place. And I'm telling you this not to be not to pontificate, but because I care and because I just a few minutes ago got terrible news. Not about my family, but but somebody that I've known for a long time. Just remember that people go through things that maybe you don't understand. And maybe you see them on Tuesday and they're one way and Wednesday they're different and you're wondering why. Well, maybe something happened. We need to care for each other. We need to be there for each other. And we need to understand that that mistakes happen. Sometimes people are wrong. And it doesn't mean that you can hammer them. And sometimes you don't like something or you're threatened by things. But you can allow other people to live their lives and look forward to things. These are all really important things. And I think we've, we've become so... 
weaponized politically, personally, that we really do step on other people's toes and we don't have any right to do that. I'm making a turkey this year. I want you to know how dangerous that is. I am going to go into a kitchen. I'm going to wash a turkey. I'm going to stuff it with stuffing. I'm going to put it in a bag. I'm going to put it into an oven. And I'm going to cook a turkey. I'm going to put oil on it. I'm going to put a bunch of seasoning on it. And I'm going to throw that puppy in there for what I estimate to be the right amount of time. This is like riding the world's most dangerous roller coaster. I mean, I hope I remember to turn the damn stove on. I'm hoping I'm back here. When will I be back here? You know, I think January 2nd, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So you got some nice time off. Well, I need it. I'll miss you. (laughs) You're supposed to say that when I'm gone for good. I'll miss you even more then. But even... (laughs) Even eight days, man. It's too much. I want to tell you that in the time we've worked together, and I hope it's another year and longer, um, I respect you. You're a great guy. Thank you, Al. I appreciate that. Not not, not the biggest uh, feelings guy in the world, but uh, (laughs) love you, Al, and happy to be alongside you. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. Enjoy your day.